Hello everyone, and yes, we are back. Uh, we had a slightly prolonged summer break, but now we are so ready to start off again this podcast. For everyone who is new, I am Erika from the Promote Ukraine team, and I am your host for this podcast called Ukraine Up to Date, where we usually compile for you the most interesting and or most relevant information about things in and around Ukraine. But I said usually, as this second season will be slightly different. Well, with the current situation at the eastern border of Ukraine, there's of course an imminent danger that uh, can have real consequences. So not only for Ukraine, but also for the West. So the Promote Ukraine team is launching a special edition of the journal Brussels Ukraina review about the possible attack or invasion or whatever you want to call it, of Russia into Ukraine, where many experts from Ukraine and also from the EU with expertise in many things like military or politics reflect on this issue and give their insights into what is happening or what might happen. So it's a very interesting read as there are many different positions and many different standpoints. Um, and you can read the journal in Ukrainian, English, German and French. And I will, of course, put the link into the description box for you. Well, with this podcast, I would like to extend the, the platform and also reflect on the current situation on the border between Ukraine and Russia. But as I'm obviously not an expert on this topic, I will be speaking with people who are, so you can get a better understanding of this matter, as it is, of course, quite complex. Um, I want to use this first episode, however, to give you a broader overview over this issue and explain as good as I can what is happening so you can uh, stay up to date. And without further ado, let's get started, shall we? Okay, let's start from April this year. There was already a buildup of Russian troops at the eastern border of Ukraine, but on a smaller scale than it is now. At that time, Russia just shrugged off these troop movements as military exercises and then pulled back, although some experts suggest it was only a partial pullback. Then in November, it was noticed that more and more Russian troops are again gathering at the border. Sources say somewhere between 100 and 125,000, while the US intelligence even says that as many as 175,000 Russian troops could become involved in around January. Also, Western intelligence services, as well as the ones of Ukraine, think an invasion could happen sometime in early 2022. Russia initially described satellite photos showing troop buildups in Crimea and not far from eastern Ukraine as alarmist. But by early December, a presidential aide insisted that um, they do have the right to move troops on their own territory. Russia's armed forces chief Valery Gerasimov says NATO has focused too much attention on troop movements and, as he says, information circulating in the media about the alleged impending Russian invasion of Ukraine is a lie. Moscow has countered by accusing Ukraine of building up half its army, so some around 125,000 people, in the east, alleging that Kyiv is planning to attack areas controlled by Russian-backed separatists. Also, Russia accuses NATO countries of pumping Ukraine with weapons. 
And yeah, those counterclaims of Russia could become a justification for military action. For example, Vladimir Jabarov, number two on Russia's Federation Council's International Affairs Committee, said in early December some 500,000 Ukrainians in the rebel-held areas now had Russian passports. If rebel leaders appealed for Russian help, as he said, of course we cannot abandon our compatriots. Well, it is of course very, very difficult to say what Russia actually wants what they want to achieve with those actions. And a big part of the new edition of the Brussels Ukraine Review actually analyzes uh, this aspect in depth from many different perspectives. But let's just scratch a little bit on the surface here right now. First of all, Putin believes that Ukraine, that has previously been part of the Soviet Union, should be subservient to Russia. The two countries share a very long border together, as well as some cultural and linguistic ties. In July 2021, uh, Putin published a very, very long text on the official Kremlin website, where he says that the two, yeah, he's detailing the two countries' history together and calling Russians and Ukrainians one nation and labeling Ukraine's current leaders as running an anti-Russian project. He also said to those who sought to turn Ukraine against Russia that in this way they will destroy their own country. Well, instead of aligning itself with Russia, Ukraine shifts more and more towards the West. And also Ukraine's current president, Volodymyr Zelensky, pushes back against Russia's attempts to expand its influence. Then uh, President Putin has warned the West to not cross Russia's red lines on Ukraine. Now you might wonder what are those red lines. One of them is stopping NATO's expansion any further to the east and deploying weapons in neighboring countries that could threaten Russia. Putin has said if Ukraine jo joins NATO, then military contingents, bases and offensive weapons will follow. Russia is already concerned by Ukraine's deployment of Turkish drones against Russian-backed forces in eastern Ukraine and Western military exercises in the Black Sea region. Speaking at the end of November, Mr. Putin said he hoped, and I quote, that common sense and responsibility for their own countries and the global community will eventually prevail. Russia is also quite frustrated that the 2015 Minsk peace deal aimed at halting the conflict in eastern Ukraine is far from being fulfilled. There are still no arrangements for independently monitored election in the separatist regions. Uh, Russia denies the accusations that it is part of the lingering conflict. Then, the timing. Why now? Why does Russia have the need to employ troops or to plan a possible invasion now? Well, one aspect is that foreign aggression often gives political leaders a chance to rally nationalistic support at home, especially as a distraction from domestic problems. And Russia has domestic problems, of course, like surging COVID-19 cases, slow-growing wages and rising prices. Last year, opposition groups held some of the largest anti-Putin marches in a year. Putin may also fear that his sway over Ukraine is weakening, both because of the government's resistance within Ukraine and because of Russian politics. 
So not all members of Ukraine of Russia's sorry political establishment share Putin's obsession with the country or his passionate view that the Ukrainians and Russians are the same people. He also uh, has the feeling that the next generation may care less. So he decides he must create some new facts for them. And of course, a very important factor is that we are about to go into winter celebrations or winter holidays. So geopolitics are not really a top priority in people's minds. How far will the West go for Ukraine? Well, the US made it clear that it is committed to helping Ukraine defend its sovereign territory. President Biden spoke of imposing measures like none he's ever seen if Ukraine was actually attacked. But he also stressed that deploying US troops unilaterally was not on the table. Ukraine at the same time is also prepared to defend itself alone, as the foreign minister Dmitry Kuleba said. So even if the US refuses to recognize Russia's yeah, red lines on Ukraine joining NATO or anything else, how far will those strong economic and other measures go to actually help Kyiv? So the biggest tools in the West's armory appear to be sanctions and supporting the Ukrainian military. UK Foreign Office Minister Wiki Ford has said that British officials are considering an extension of defensive support. As of economic measures, the biggest tool could be threatening to disconnect Russia's banking system from the international SWIFT payment system. That has always been very much as a last resort, but Latvia has said it would send a very strong message to Moscow. Another key threat is to prevent the opening of Russia's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline in Germany, and approval for that is currently being decided by Germany's energy regulator. Germany's Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock has made clear if there is any further Russian escalation, then this gas pipeline could not come into service. The G7 group of wealthy democracies has warned Russia of massive consequences and severe cost in response to further action against Ukraine. So this is, of course, only scratching the very surface of many different aspects of this issue. And it is, of course, impossible to fit everything for me in one podcast episode. If you, however, want to really dive in deeper into this matter, I once again suggest you read the newest edition of the Brussels Ukraina Review and tune in for the next episode of Ukraine Up to Date, where we will discuss different standpoints. I am sure you have your own opinions on this, and we would actually love to hear more about it. Feel free to share your thoughts with us in the comments on social media under the post about this podcast. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay alert. And I will see you next time here.